Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Today is with a guy by the name of Dane Pratsky. He is the frack man, and I hope I've got your interest already. He uh, appears in a film about the coal seam mining gas industry. I hope I got that right, Dane. He's a great guy. You're going to fall in love with this guy. You really are. And um, we, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about big oil. We talk about top-down, bottom-up, and about grassroots development, and about grassroots activism, and how we, we, you know, but this idea that we have to take back our governments, and Dane has a lot to say. Believe me, there are laugh-out-loud moments in this film. I hope you go to see it. It's called Frackman. It's going to be playing at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival at TIFF, uh, coming up very soon, so look into that online. What I love about some of the things that, that Dane talks about, not only in the interview, but in the film, is this notion that, you know, we do matter, you know, that, that, you know, we, we, and, 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 and we've got to be bold and we got to be brave and we got to be proud, you know, as we take on some of these issues that we see around us and, and the fact that we can make a difference, brilliant, ultimately marvelous stuff. So I think you're going to really enjoy Dane and uh, make sure you get out to see the film Frackman at the Human Rights Watch Film Festival coming up March 30th. Uh, and uh, here in Toronto and check it out, uh, davidpecklive.com for more interviews and Dane Pratsky coming up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined uh, digitally by a very special guest all the way from Australia. I guess this morning for him, this uh, evening for us here in Toronto, Dane Pratsky, also known as Frackman, is here today uh, on Face to Face. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks, David. I really appreciate the uh, you uh, catching up with me. So, so obviously, we're going to talk about the, the Human Rights Watch Film Festival, Dane. We're going to talk about human rights and social justice and, 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 and so on. But who the hell is Frackman? Frackman's an average Aussie bloke who I was a pig shooter. I was a construction worker. It wasn't 
really interested in the environment. Obviously, I recycled like everybody else and thought they were doing their bit, but um, I was injured in a work accident when I was working underground. I used to be a, um, a tunneler, um, you know, dig road tunnels. Mm. And from there, I moved to uh, Western Queensland, which is totally out of the ordinary for me, and soon sort of became a homesteader, so to speak. From there, I thought that I was living quite a, a rewarding life, supplying my own energy, my own water, and it was something that was very, very rewarding for me. And then the uh, the unconventional gas industry, the coal seam gas industry, decided that they would come over the top of me and destroy everything I'd built, and I wasn't having a bit of it. Uh, many people said there's nothing you can do about it, but I wasn't prepared to, to take that answer and started off a uh, what's been coined as a, a David and Goliath battle, so to speak. So we're, as a kid, uh, Dane, as a kid, were you the guy at the, you know, in the classroom or in your Sunday school class or at your Christmas dinner, were you the one putting up your dukes and saying, you know, guys, no, this is the way it is. You know, and I don't, I don't mean going out and picking fights with people, but standing your ground and saying, hang on a minute here, something's not right. Most definitely at, at primary school and even through high school. I was definitely one to be reckoned with in the classroom uh, for teachers and and other kids in the in the playground. I, uh, I I didn't often take a backward step, so I think having that sort of attitude on life uh, helped me take this industry on. It's a seventy billion dollar industry in Australia that's just starting up. Wow! So to take on a seventy billion dollar industry with very little knowledge of of um, how the industry works and and the collusion between governments and industry. You know, it was probably something that people would sit back and think you, you, you're mad for taking that on. And, and I, you know, I never thought I'd be in this situation myself or take on the fossil fuel industry, but it seems to be the way it turned out. So are you confident or crazy? Confidently crazy. <laughs> nice. Probably the best way to put that. Uh, I, uh, look, I'm just a normal guy and I... And I I think that everyone has the right to live in their own home and go about their day-to-day their -day, uh, activities in peace. They shouldn't be, mm. you know, racially discriminated, sexually discriminated. You know, discrimination is is one of the the um, destroyers of, of of the fabric of society. So for me, um, I just you know, really I just took that on. I, I don't feel that that you can um, just go away, uh, so go about, businesses can't go about what they do and destroy everything around them and everyone around them and, and people just, you know, sit back and do nothing. I just don't think it's fair and, look, that's that's something that I'll continue to fight for. So, let, today. so Dane, let's say you, you were left alone, you called yourself a homesteader. Let's just say that, you know, the, 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 the gas companies, the fossil fuel industry didn't start to drill around you. Do you think eventually you would have found your issue? So I guess the question is, are you really an activist at heart? Uh, that's a very, very good question because I was actually quite embarrassed at how uneducated I was on the political scene, on the environmental scene, I, I sort of didn't really take notice of that. I was more worried about hunting and, and sort of just doing my day-to-day -day thing. Sure. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure. That's a very good question. It's a very hard one to answer. But Well, you're kind of uh, you're kind of screwed now because you can't go back, right? Now, no, now knowing right? what you know. That's exactly right. Uh, uh, 
uh, uh, Mayor Tillman of Dish in Texas said, "Once you know, you can't not know." And and sometimes I wish I could not know because it's quite distressing at times when you see things like the TPP and 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 these free trade agreements and you know you look back and you, and you look at what's happening in the US now with Donald Trump it, it's it, it'd be really nice to be able to turn your back on that and worry about some very simple things in life but it, unfortunately uh, it chose me I didn't choose it so it's it sort mm. of you know it's got a soldier on from here what uh, you know I love the way right out of the gate in the film you you admit that hey listen I was no environmentalist I didn't really and you almost you almost say and maybe you do actually say I can't remember you know I didn't really care about the environment it wasn't really my thing and and I think what I love about this is we see you become so passionate I mean over the top in in some respects the almost the the guerrilla like tactics that you guys employ to get your message across to make this film to to really test these guys out to see if they're the real deal. What is the, you know, at one point you say, you just want the truth. Um, what I, what I love about that, Dane is, is your sort of, um, forgive the language, but almost your conversion experience, if you will. And, and I'm wondering, you know, as an activist, you've traveled now the world, you've, you've, you've seen the success of the film. How do you get other people on the same page? How do you convince others that, hang on guys, this really is worth thinking about and worth talking about. Look, I think, I think the way governments are behaving and the way the fossil fuel industry is behaving, I think it's natural progression for, for a lot of people to think, well, hang on, I've got children. I want them to have the same upbringing that I had. I want them to live in a clean environment. I want them to have the opportunities that I've had. So when you, when you come across governments and industries that are putting people second and profit first – it, I think it's a natural progression for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, you know, get, getting people involved is very difficult because you don't want to be that guy or that religion that knocks on the door and, and, and harasses you every morning. You, you don't want to be that person because they're, they're annoying, although very well-intentioned. Uh, so I think that's why my story has been very powerful because I'm not the traditional activist. I'm, I don't um, – you know, I never – uh, sort of got myself involved in this sort of thing. And that's why I think stories like mine are so resonating to so many people because here's an average guy who who was doing pretty average things, turned around to do to do extraordinary things and still a pretty average guy. Do you think do you think, Dane, there's any characteristics that you have that, you know, could you almost write a blog about the five things you need to be a good activist? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you said you're the guy who, you, you know, you, clearly you've got strong opinions. You stand up for what's right. You stand up for the the, 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 the little guy, et cetera. You're not afraid to speak your voice. You know, we talked earlier off, offline about, you know, I, I, I there's a scene in the film when you come over to the States and you're a part of a rally and you just hop up on stage and you grab the microphone and you dive right in, man. Here's a passionate guy who cares about what, what he's talking about. How, what, what are those three, five, six, ten qualities, or maybe even one. I don't know what it is, but, but tell me more. I think, uh, and it's it's not only through the environmental movement and the activist movement, and it's, it's politicians. You see the way people are very, they, they want to say something, but they just they just think, oh, that might offend somebody, or, or you know, I, I need to ensure that I include 99% of every single person on this planet into my message well, I don't think that way. I've got something to say, 
and you're here to listen, I'm going to say it. And if it upsets you, I really apologize for that. However, I'm not going to change my message to suit your needs. Right. So I think I think a lot of politicians, and that's unfortunately why while um, why the the madman Donald Trump is getting that sort of uh, publicity and following is because the guy says what he means. Although he he means the, the stupidest things ever and says the dumbest things ever, it's very refreshing to have someone in power turn up and say what they mean. Not this you know hobbly gobbly bull crap that that politicians and 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 people in in the public eye seem to consistently retort so i had all the political training i had all you know that that was part of the film i i was um taught how to answer a question without answering the question and i took that on board but i never actually ran with it Mm. i think i better off just saying what you mean and it will offend some people and it will inspire others so So are are you talking do you think dana about sort of um transparency honesty authenticity is you know it's things things that often you know politicians lack that's 100 percent right authenticity and it is a very rare commodity in in the modern world do you think that your you know at one point which i love to you know at one point in the film you say i i want you know once you get over the anger then then you can start to almost uh, this is these are my words these are peck's words now but you once you get over the anger you can almost start to think through what are the implications and how am i going to respond but i'm wondering you know there was a quote from somebody i think it's michael bredrick and i can't remember who that person was in the film but he said it's about the fact that it wasn't that they just didn't respect us there was actually contempt towards us and i'm now i'm talking about the fossil fuel industry here do, is do you think that's really what the issue was in a sense that you were, you know, you got shots of you on the phone and getting hung up on and being put on hold and clearly the message is they're not listening. Is is that part of what this is all about? You want the big guys to listen? I just want, for me, um, I think it was important to make people understand in the fossil fuel industry and in big business and government that I do matter. Right. Just because you sign these multi-billion dollar deals selling gas to China, it doesn't mean that my rights come second. And if they wanted to sort of push my rights to a, to a, a second place, so to speak, I was going to stand up for myself. And not look, it wasn't just me. As you said, Michael Bradrick, absolutely fantastic guy. Uh, you know, Scott Collins and, and Narelle Collins and, and you know, had Debbie Orr. And, you know, we were the, the early sort of group that um, – that, that took that, that, that stance. And um, I, I think it's uh, a lot of people are becoming more and more like that. They want, they want to be listened to. There's nothing worse than sitting down and listening to people saying, oh, but there's nothing you can do about it. But there's nothing you can do about it. Well, guess what? There is something you can do about it, but you've just got to do it. You've got to put yourself out there and you've got to be bold, brave and proud, proud of your message. And, and you, you know, that is the only way forward from here. We have constantly been put second to to uh, corporations' you know, interests and profit making. That that's not the way this this societies were built. Societies were built on governments who were who had the people's uh, best interest at heart. Now it's turning the other way. Governments have the corporations' best interest at heart. So, you know, more and more people will be standing up and will be saying, "No, I've had enough of this." And and when people see those 
figures stand up and say, yes, I agree with that guy. That guy is doing something. It, it, it sets off something inside uh, the average person that says, hang on, potentially I can do something. All I have to do is actually get up and do it. And I think that's one of the uh, – you know the pivotal points really what what I, you know the film is clearly about the fossil fuel industry the the film is clearly about the facts and about getting the truth and about what what's going on and and around this actual issue but for me your film is brilliant in the sense that and congratulations by the way but um but your film for me is about the bigger picture and the bigger picture is that we do need to fight back and that we do matter and that we do have a voice and that we do have opinions and that change is possible i mean isn't doesn't dane pratsky believe that you can teach old dogs new tricks 100 percent. i always say the minute you stop taking shit is the minute you stop receiving it Right. So, yeah. so the minute you, the minute you stand up and say no, I'm not putting up with that, is the minute they start to listen and the minute that they start to change their behaviour. We cannot stand by and be passengers on on this on this you know journey of ours. We are heading into a very uh, important time in the history of of mankind. We're moving away from this destructive fossil fuel industry into this new generation of energy and. It's not through the, the company's will to do that. It's through the people's will. Mm-hmm. No company, especially fossil fuel industries, who have excessive power over governments and, and over communities, you know, that they don't want this to happen because all of a sudden they've lost the most profitable part of their industry, which they are in right now. So in the solar revolution and this, uh, this alternative energy revolution has not come from the top. It's come from the bottom. And you can see now... The, it's, it's become more than ripples, it's waves, and we're about to hit a tidal wave, and the fossil fuel industry are lashing out, trying to suck every little dollar out of us they possibly can before they become obsolete and done and dusted. Yeah, it's great. I love I love what you're saying about how the change and the shift is occurring from the from the bottom up. And I I mean, on one hand, it's incredibly challenging, probably to some people, but on another hand, it's got to be pretty darn affirming with respect to you know, it, it's tough. You look around, you look at the issues, you look at the problems. They look monumental, right? But I think people like yourself, I think activists, I think filmmakers like Richard Todd, the film Frackman, etc., the Human Rights Watch Film Festival can show us that you know we do matter. And, and that things do change. Look, politicians don't lead. They never have. They follow. They follow whether it's industry or, or corporations or they follow the people. At the moment, I find that most governments have been, and, you know, the U.S. is a prime example of how they've been infiltrated. Look, not just the U.S., the Australian government too. They've been infiltrated by these people who don't have our best interests at heart. They have their shareholders' best interests at heart. So the minute we accept that as the norm is the minute we're in trouble. So this is why I ask people, if, 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 you are, if you've had enough, don't give up and don't be silent. Be, be vocal, be proud and, and tell your friends about it. That is the best way. If every single person in this world today who believed in what was happening was wrong actually just converted just their, their close friends around them and then they do their close friends around them before you know you know we have this wave an unstoppable wave it's, it's a tidal wave that's going to overtake and we are going to take back our governments and take back our land 
Is there, it, was there ever a point, and I think, I think there was, there must have been, in fact, it comes out in the film just based on some of the editing and some of the clips, <laughs> it's a pretty funny phrase, and I can't remember uh, exactly uh, what the phrase was, but it was around the point where you guys are talking about, about um, the, the, the Gandhian sort of approach being civil resistors and so on, and it looks like you've sort of turned a corner and you're pretty pissed off, and you, you say something about cracking some heads. Did did you ever get close to just clocking somebody right there in the middle of the road? Look, I think... <laughs> I think you just answered the question, Dan. <laughs> there was one incident where uh, what I found in, in Queensland, the workers were exceptionally um, tolerant and understanding. I should say most workers were, were, were like that. Some weren't. We had one guy who tried to slash our tyre with a knife. He got off. We, we were holding up four buses. We had about a 1,000 people delayed for work, and they were in a five-kilometre uh, uh, traffic jam. And one of the, one of the uh, contractors decided to get off the bus and try and slash my tyre. Well, I was having none of that. So it ended up on the, uh, on the front pages of a, few, of a few papers of me and him, um, you know, with each other. We, we had each other's uh, collars, so to speak, and we were uh, very, very close to blows. But... You know, I I, uh, I give what I get. Right. So, you know, to answer your question, I, you know, violence is is um, is not the way to go, but it's definitely an international language that everyone under understands, and and it's um, it's it's something that was very hard at times to to keep under wraps, but it. it the the effects of doing something like that would not have just affected me personally. It would have affected everyone around me um, and and the movement as a whole. So I had to take that on board and realise that that doing something like that was not a way forward. It was actually uh, going to set us back. So you've you've really uh, it didn't matter how angry I got and how much I thought ah oh, just if I could just you know punch that prime minister in the nose or, or you know, you, you, you just can't do it. You just have to really, you know, sit back and, 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 you know, bide your time and, and, and suck it up, so to speak. It's violence in, in the environmental movement has never worked. We've seen that on several occasions. It's just never worked. So um, I was lucky that I had uh, friends of the earth in Brisbane, mm. um, a fantastic organization who, who came to our aid and taught us about non-violent civil disobedience because I knew nothing of it. I thought, oh, okay, so they come to my house and we punch on and, and someone goes home with a black eye and a bruised ego. And that's not the way it works. Um, you know, I was assaulted several times and, and never, ever, um, in the end, um, sort of uh, learnt not, not to react. So there was that one incident where the guy slashed my tyre. You know, he ended up being uh, relieved of his post at, in the industry, but um, I think the that could have gone very negatively for us. And some people did still take it. You know, the the, uh, the fossil fuel lovers took it as, oh, look, now they're getting all violent and attacking people when it was, you know, it was just really a reactionary uh, situation. So you're basically what you're saying is you're a a, a teddy bear at heart. Um. Yeah, one made of concrete. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> hey, at one point in the film, you know, I, I, I don't remember again who was actually questioning you, but you were you were commenting on sort of, you know, big oil, basically. You were making a comment, not about anyone I don't think in particular, maybe you had somebody in mind, but you said, quote, they know damn well what they're doing, close quote. And I know exactly what you meant. However, I wonder, Dane, after all the time you've spent, the people you've interviewed, the people you've investigated, etc., do you really believe that some of these folks, some of these executives, really do know what they're doing? Of, of course they do. It, it is not... You, see, the, the, un, the unconventional gas industry is a prime example of that. You see hundreds of thousands of people who are just average people. They're not environmentalists. They're just farmers in in pennsylvania and and ohio and and colorado they're, they're homesteaders they're they're not you know they're farmers so to have this uh many people stand up and say there's something wrong there's something wrong and have this mountain of evidence uh, turn up just to, to say that it, actually you are right but then the industry uh, through through once again collusion with government and insider sort of workings have been able to dismiss it. They know. They know exactly what's going on. They know exactly. How can you not look? You don't have to be that smart to work out the pumping chemicals straight through our water sources, underground water sources, into shale formations and coal formations, and hydraulically fracturing them, and and uh, and then expecting nothing to go wrong. You know, the, the well casings are a prime example. They're steel and cement. They leak, they break down, steel rusts, cement breaks down. You know, th these people are saying, oh, it'll last for 100 years. But what, do you think the, the world's going to end in 100 years? Of mm. course not. You yeah. this, the, These gas wells and these oil wells, they have to last forever. Not, not, not just our lifetime, not just our children's lifetime. You know, we're talking thousands of years before the, before the natural uh, rock formations actually, you know, reform in that in – that, um, you know, to fill in those holes, if, you know, that's if, if it ever happens. I'm no geologist and I don't know how rocks grow, but I don't think they grow very fast. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't, you don't have to be that smart to work out what they're doing is inherently dangerous. It's an inherently um, industrialized sort of process. You know, I, I, I refuse to believe they're that stupid. There's there was this, there was that one classic scene and I don't know what it was from but I think I think it was 60 minutes in Australia where where the uh, or maybe it was from some other place but the the interviewer asked the guy and he had no idea it was classic the look on his face he just had no idea what the chemicals were that were being pumped down under the ground and 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 that that was the guy that was supposed to regulate what was happening. He right. had no idea. And that is the way the industry works. They, they not only deceive the public, they, if they can't deceive the governments, they'll infiltrate the government um, and, and ensure that these projects go ahead. Uh, you know, that guy was just a bumbling fool. And he was a minister, uh, the, the, the mines minister, like, come on, give me a break. You know, it's, it's, it's a, pr a prime example of how these proje projects here were approved. Um, a gentleman by the name of Ian Fletcher, who was U one of the UK's top government spies, was uh, installed as the Queensland equivalent of the Environmental Protection Agency, um, the head of that, that, that agency, who actually approved the projects. Mm. He was a spy from the UK. And then once the projects were approved, the guy disappeared off the face of the earth. 
you know, and and the, and the post was taken over by somebody else. So it it doesn't once again, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that that, that was a load of you know hog dust. So um, I'm interested to know uh, if you still believe that uh, this this is this particular issue, or would you say just sort of environmental issues as a whole and the cumulative effect of them uh, are the um, you know you you say it's the greatest environmental threat that Australia has ever faced? Would you go more global than that at this point, or would you say, hang on, it's actually the combination of all these sort of factors that are really making this global environmental threat? Look, I think if coal wasn't bad enough, with the uh, the CO2 uh, CO2 effects on the on the atmosphere and, and global warming, we know that methane itself has you know the the, the stats differ you know, but but at minimum twenty three um, times worse, but you know all the way up to to hundred and ten times worse than than uh, than coal. So methane and the escaping methane around the world is having an an absolute detrimental effect on on any chances that we have of containing uh, global warming to the to the two degrees. So I think it's actually the, the biggest uh, environmental threat the globe has ever um, uh, sort of faced. You know, and definitely in Australia here, I, I still believe that. Do you think Do you think, Dane, that these arguments um, can be won by, you know, by getting people? like coal and fossil fuel executives into a room and showing them a film like Frack Man uh, and many, many others and having a engaging substantive Q&A afterwards is, I mean, is it a rational argument? Is it a, is it a more of an emotional argument? Do you think, do you think it's a bit of both? I mean, it's, and I, and I, I almost want to come back full circle to your original comment about how, Hey, I, I'm, I was an environmentalist, but I became one. Look, I think getting industry leaders into a room to try and tell them is a, is a waste of everyone's time because, they, as I said before, they know it. Oh, by the, yeah, by they, the way, Dane, I got I got to interrupt you just really quickly. Sorry. One of my favorite moments in the movie is when you go to the conference at the hotel, the Sofitel, and it is it in Brisbane, and you, <laughs> you walk up on the stage. Oh, Dane, I was crying. I was just, this is like, I wish I was in the room. That was awesome. That was a $1,500 ticket to get into that conference and then bide my time and then just walk up on stage and take over the stage. And as you saw, the big burly security guards weren't too far behind me, but I, I sort of duck and weave them on stage as best as I possibly can before being uh, dragged out. But yes, it was. <laughs> that was uh, it was that was worth every penny you spent, man. That was beautiful. Uh, look, there's times like that where where you've just got it. Like that was a very uncomfortable thing to do. I Here bet. I am. In, in an industry conference, as a guy from the, who's fighting industry, basically sitting there just going, "Okay, is it time? Is it time?" Then walking up and kicking a um, a cameraman in the foot and just looking at him and winking, and, and he just knew straight away, you know, he rolled and he he you know walking up straight down this aisle. It was like walking down the red carpet at at, at, at you know at the Oscars. Everyone eyes sort of came on to you. Climb up on stage, grab that microphone, and now you are going to listen to me whether you like it or not. Although it was only brief, uh, those security guards didn't look like guys that you really want to mess with. So, uh, yes, it was um, very entertaining to say the least. But, 
but it was quite scary. Like I, I, bet, I, I'm not... I, I bet it was, but also a great metaphor, right? And also very relevant to the question. You know, how do how do you convince those guys in that room? Uh, I don't think they're the guys you have to convince. I think we have to take back our governments. We have to. Mm. There, mm. there are so many people who uh, who who are well intentioned, but end up sort of stuck in this merry-go-round of industry and governments. On the other hand, there are a lot of people that are good in government and there are a lot of people that should be in government that, that we need to place there. And like in Australia, we have, you know, the three major parties that you, and two of them are just jokers and the third one are, are an up-and-coming, the Greens are an up-and-coming sort of party who are becoming more and more relevant day by day. But the um, those, those two top parties, people say, oh, but who else do you vote for? Who else do you vote for? It's like, well, well don't vote for them you know give your vote to somebody else because at that point they listen they actually don't care about anything else but getting back in government so trying to deal with industry is is only one sort of slight or small part of it i think dealing with governments because in the end it's governments that allow these companies to do what they're doing we must take control you know take back control of our governments because they are there for the people not for corporations obviously Corporations have a very pivotal role playing in society, but you know it can't be all their way. It, it's, it's you know we have to we have to have a bit of um, common sense and fairness in in the way we do things. So, look, I think that the key is is once again is to take back our governments. I see mm. the, um, the the Canadian Prime Minister, you know Trudeau. He looks on on the surface, he looks like that. Hey, things may be able to change for for um, for Canada, and I think it's fantastic. It's yet to be seen, but I, I think uh, Canada's a proof that if you don't like something, change it. Yeah, no, I, I I hear you, and it's so cool. I was I was actually I was actually in the uh, Phnom Penh airport in Cambodia uh, with a friend of mine, Sean Dell, a filmmaker, and we were just flying home, and we heard there that Trudeau had won, and I think we both sort of, and we both high-fived each other and thought, this is this is a moment. This is not only is this a new government, but this is this is a metaphor for for what's next, and and that it is up to us to make a difference. And you're right, it does remain to be seen, Dane. Who knows what's going to actually happen? But yeah, we're pretty hopeful here. I got to say. Well, look with with President Obama, I had such high hopes. I'm thinking he's going to rein in the banks. He's going to turn this around and. We are going to be back on, on even footings. But unfortunately, um, Obama's done some fantastic things, but I think he's he's fallen a little short. He had a, a, a prime opportunity to, to rein in the banks when we had the, the uh, sub-prime um, mortgage disaster in the mm. US, which affected the entire world. Of course. Uh, that was a, a pivotal time in history where if Obama stood up and said, "Radio." You guys, you're on notice. You're being reined in. Not one of those people went to jail. Not one single yeah, person went to yeah. jail. When you have some some guy who's who commits fraud of of fifty thousand dollars or eighty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars and ends up in prison, and we've got guys that ripped off the the the, the worldwide public of trillions of dollars, and what happened to them? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So. I don't know if Trudeau listens to this podcast, but if he does, <laughs> let's hope so. My message is, you know, stand up and 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 
you know, that, that, but that once again comes back to the people, the American public went, Oh, well, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you know, that, that is, that is the old adage that has to be thrown out. And if that happens again, then the, the, the people have to stand up in, in Canada and say, well, guess what? You're gone, you know, next. We'll keep on bringing in leaders that uh, we need to keep on bringing in leaders that that have our best interests at heart. Yeah, it's great. So good. Hey, um, we're going to have to wrap it up here in a couple of minutes. And I have to ask you about your multimedia girlfriend. <laughs> she's uh, she's um, she lives with me in Australia right now. So that's been that's that's been the, the one of the bright the brighter sides of the whole thing. Uh, Wendy was in Pennsylvania, also affected by gas drilling. Um, so yeah, no. So now she's my uh, full, full fledged uh, in the in the flesh girlfriend. You know what's so cool about it, Dane, is I, I just, I love, I love the partnership aspect of it. The scene of you guys seeing each other. I think it was after a year. I mean, don't don't we face some of these problems together? You know, I mean, at, at the risk of sounding like a tree hugger and really corny, and I apologize to all the tree huggers out there if that sounded negative in any way, it wasn't meant to be, but it sounds like, I don't know, I, there, there's something about the strength in a relationship, that community, just a, even of two, you know, and here you had this community of all these people around you who were saying, hang on, we're, we're not going to put up with this and there has to be a better way and damn it, we'd like you guys to listen to us. And I just love the fact that you did that with Wendy and, and you guys are, you know, developing, you know, you going, going even further together and that's awesome. Yeah. Look, I think, I think that's very important message to get across to people is you, you will never do it on your own. We have to do it together. Um, you know, you can, you can obviously achieve great things on your own, but without the support of the people around you, like I said, Scott Collins, um, his his wife Narelle and and Michael Bradrick and we had George and Marion Palmer up the road. We had Debbie Orr. Without the support of those people, I couldn't have gone on. Without the support of Wendy, I couldn't have gone on. So it's it's one thing to put yourself out there, um, but but you know my message to people who do put themselves out there or who are planning to put themselves out there because I hopefully this podcast inspires someone to go and do something very cool. Um, exactly. You know, you, you need to take that support from the people around you because, you know, you end up burnt out and much the same as I did. I, I end up really burnt out because I I was sort of just working too hard and, and too in passion. So I think um, being part of a community is a, is a good thing. And you know what? It's actually fun. The people that I've met, the the experiences I've had with these people are, are sort of life-changing and memories that I will hold till the day I die. It's, it's something that um, – it's not all bad. It's not all doom and gloom. You know, there is some enjoying parts of, uh, you know, there's parts that you can really enjoy throughout this whole thing. And I definitely did. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, tell us about your birthday. It's coming up on Sunday, April the 3rd. I think something else kind of interesting is happening on that day as well. And, 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 uh, and what is it? So on, I, I get two birthdays actually, <laughs> because I get to um, Skype into the uh, film festival in Toronto on uh, Monday, April third, as well. So I get to to uh, to celebrate my birthday here in Australia on Sunday, April third, and then um, then we move on to Toronto for another birthday, where I'll be skyping in live to the the uh, the film festival to do a Q and A Q&A session after the film. So it'll be five thirty a.m. in the morning for me. So if you want to see me nasty and uh, and sort of half awake, 
get down to the film festival, get get some tickets. And I, as far as I know, they're selling quite well. So if yeah. if you're interested, please get down there. And um, you, you know, it's it's really an experience to actually sit in uh, see in those cinemas, and and I get to Skype in and 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 hear the reaction of the people from the film. Some of them are very positive, some not so positive. And, sure, and I, you know, sure. I get some questions. And so if you want to yell and scream at me, there is your opportunity. <laughs> well, well, listen, I hope you don't get too much yelling and screaming. It's, uh, it's premiering. It's Canadian premiere, is it? Uh, that's something I couldn't answer you on. Oh, okay. I'm... Well, it's, it's certainly, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's the Toronto premiere Sunday, April 3rd, 1 PM at the human rights watch film festival at TIFF. Uh, I hope everybody checks it out. Dane, uh, congratulations on such a great film and wow, what an experience. I hope we can do a follow-up down the road. I've, I've had a blast chatting with you. There's so much more we could talk about. Um, and, and love to hear what's next for you as well. But, uh, yeah, really appreciate your time today. I- I really, really appreciate the opportunity, David. Uh, and look, please follow me on Twitter, Dane Pratsky, um, at Dane Pratsky on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook as well. And look, I really want to hear what's happening in, in Canada and how, how um, Canada is moving forward to this fossil-free uh, future. So, you know, I look, I look forward to, uh, to hopefully touring in Canada um, at the end of, end of this year. It'd be fantastic. I, I hope I hope that becomes a reality. The movie is Frackman. It's uh, premiering uh, Sunday, April third, one p.m. Uh, Toronto uh, International Film Festival, Human Rights Watch Film Festival. Dane Pratsky, thanks so much for your time today, Dane. Hey, thanks for having me, David. And please go and see the film and uh, and hit me up on Twitter. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.